Welcome to the podcast, Restore Yourself, Restore Your Marriage, where it's all about discovering the thoughts that get you in the mode, the thoughts that get you out of the mode, and how creating a deeper connection with yourself creates a deeper connection with your spouse. I'm your coach, Shelly Anderson, coaching you through life, love, and intimacy. This is episode number 114, The Greener Grass of Love and Sex. Nice. The Greener Grass of Love and Sex. So that title reminds me about our marriage, how it just gets better and better if we work on it. Yes. So the grass is always greener. You always hear that. Yes. And for men, a lot of times we think, oh, man, you know, the grass is always greener. Look at that family. I wish things could be like that or whatever. Yeah. But the real greener grass is in your own marriage, in your own family, and knowing how to improve it every day and make it better and better. Yes. This is what makes the grass greener. Yeah. And your own grass. Your own grass. That's right. We're going to learn how to water our own grass so that our grass is the greenest. <laughs> I like that. That's great. <laughs> so we wanted to give you a little insight today into one of our programs and it's the Relationship Enhancement Program. And we originally created this program for um, newly married couples, engaged and newly married couples. And so we took them through a course that was like a marriage prep course, and then they would go into this Relationship Enhancement Program. And it lasts for one year. And that is, the whole point of that was to get them through that first year of marriage when there's so many different transitions, there's expectations that they had that they realize aren't being met, <laughs> and they realize that married life is probably different than what they thought it was. Right. So to prepare them for marriage and then also to help them through the first year. Yeah. And so what was interesting is as we created this program, we kept getting requests from couples that were already married, and they were like, well, I see that this program is for engaged couples and newlyweds, but we kind of want to do it. And so we were like, okay, we need to really just be able to expand this and make it available to not only the engaged and newlywed couples, but also married couples. Well, because the second part of the first night, first year program, which again, this is a shameless plug, but if you go onto our website, shelly.andersoncoaching.com, you'll see all of our programs. If you click the program link at the top, so you, when you go to the programs, you'll see, you'll go down and you'll see, you know, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and then you'll see the relationship enhancement program. And that is the second part of the first night, first year program that you'll see below that. The first night, first year program is something we're very proud of because getting started right in marriage is huge. Yeah. So many people so many young people and older people who get married, doesn't matter what your age is. And even if you're getting remarried, so often we have these false assumptions about marriage and we think it's going to be a certain way or we think we know the person before we get married. This uh, first night, first year program was meant to help them unlock some of those things that they may not have had conversations about to help them get to know each other better, to help them learn about male and female intimacy and what triggers that and what um, generally causes arousal for both. We talk about all kinds of things. But the second part of that is what Shelly's talking about. And that is this 12 month 
program for a married couple. Yes. And so even in the first night, first year program, that 12 month enhancement program for the first year still applies to any married couple, even if you've been married for 30 years. And so we're really excited to have a program that isn't called first night, first year. It's just called a marriage enhancement program. And it is 12 months of monthly specific categories that come from the Symbus assessment program, which you can see on the website as well. It's called Symbus and it's a relationship assessment that you take and then it gives you a report. There's 12 categories that, you know, really dive into different parts of the important areas of marriage and helps you understand where you are when you take it. And that's designed for people who aren't married yet and also designed for people who are. And it actually specifies that within the assessment. So this is something that is really, really exciting. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, but we're going to get into the topic here. But we wanted to give you a background on where this topic is connected to in our programs because like those programs are there for everybody. And that's really the core of our of this business we've created and this podcast is excellent we love it we're really grateful for the support and the help that we hear it's giving people but those programs get much deeper yes into what we talk about in the podcast and they're very geared toward helping people in the privacy of their own home mm-hmm. in the privacy of their own marriage and going at their own speed without having to sit in front of us or a therapist or somebody, a lot of people don't get help because they just don't want to go and sit in front of someone who they don't know, right? Someone who's a stranger. Well, even though we may be strangers, the way that we go about our coaching is generally speaking, unless you request it and this is available, we don't do one-on-one coaching unless it's something that you feel like you really need and that's available for those people. But we found that many people just want some help. They just want ideas. They just want some more tools in their marriage toolkit. And so we generally and primarily focus on online courses and videos so that you can sit down without feeling judged by anybody and you can judge yourself (laughs) through our courses and and get those tools and that knowledge to help you and, and your spouse. So that's all. That's I just wanted to add that. I know I, whenever I talk, I, I apologize. I always talk too long, but <laughs> that's just me. So we are going to give you a look into um, what we focused on in the month of September for this program, which was a lot about you know what love is um, and how that affects our sex life and how it's involved and the intricacies of it. So we wanted to dive into that with you guys today so that you could have an understanding of maybe what we cover in that marriage, the relationship enhancement program. For Can I take 30 seconds? Yes. <laughs> and like this is like, hey, squirrel, right? This is my ADD <laughs> yes. coming out. Yes. But I feel inspired to share something that I think is really important. Okay, so I'm holding up, those of you watching that aren't watching YouTube, I'm holding up a book called The Bread of Life. And... Those that have listened to us, you know that we're Christians and you know that we're also members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But before any of those names, before any of those words, we are Christians. We believe in Jesus and his words and we believe in the atonement of Christ. And there's a book called The Bread of Life and it's simply the words of Jesus. 
And it's broken up into categories and different times of his life. And it's just the scriptures out of the New Testament. You can go to universaljesus.org, universaljesus.org. And I highly recommend that you get this book for yourself, but also um, get some books to give away because this is the thing that I think a lot of marriages are missing is that they're not basing their marriage on the fundamentals of Christ and his teachings. And our coaching is we you know we don't talk a lot about um, our faith. We mention it every once in a while, but it's all based on our faith. And these are practical ways to apply the faith that you have. And so that's what our coaching is based in. But if you go to universaljesus.org and just look at this, all the, the money goes to um, food kitchens around the country, and it also is going to other projects to help people to reestablish that faith in Christ. So I just wanted to plug that real quick because this really is the foundation. And if you're not religious or Christian, the coaching still helps you. Um, but we just fully believe that if you can base your life in Christ, then that is going to bring you joy in your marriage. And it's non-denominational. Okay. So let's dive into the greener grass okay. of love and sex. So we wanted to start off by really giving you some actual facts about the satisfaction of people and their sex lives. And we want to make a really clear determination between singles who ha- who are having sex and married people who are having sex. Because it, just like we said at the beginning, it's like we can always think the grass is greener in somebody else's situation. So even if we're married, we might think, hey, if I was single right now, sex would be so much better. It'd be so much more exciting and I would feel more alive, right? So we want to kind of say, yeah, you may think that those may be the myths out there, but let's actually talk about the facts. And so we're going to give you a few facts that are based on research and the studies and science and science. And so that you guys can really let that sink into your brains. And if you are struggling with intimacy, you can say, hey, there's there's something more for me as I think about these facts. Yeah. Okay, so one is that marriage is actually a component that makes sex better. Mm-hmm. And so I think that this fact is so interesting because it is the fact that we've made the commitment to each other and we're working through our lives together. It is marriage that is making sex better. It's one component. It's proven that marriage sex is the best sex. Yes. So another fact is that the people who are having the most sex are monogamous married couples. Yeah, but, you know, I I think there's people listening to this that are like, no, I haven't had sex in a year, right? there There are plenty of couples out there that, haven't had an intimate, a physically intimate relationship for a long time. So how do you answer that? Well, I think these are the facts, right? So there's obviously going to be exceptions to the rule. Right. And I think if you find yourself in that position, it's important to know this fact that, okay, it's been a while for us and I'm not super happy about that. But also to have the hope that's like, hey, if I want to have more sex, I better be working on this relationship with my spouse. That is the way to get to that. Because I'll tell you, you know, as I'm watching like, you know, these reality shows, like 
um, you know, hey, chase my booty for money and, you know, I'm going to make up a couple more names like, hey, you can't touch this unless you're rich and, you know, you can't be hot unless you have a, you know, a lot of plastic surgery and a bikini and you look good in, you know, skin tight clothes or, you know, you, you can't get any action from the ladies unless you have a perfect body and you're young and drive a Porsche, right? Like, that's the world we live in. Yes. And so the when I when I'm watching all my, you know, like The Bachelor and all my my shows, just kidding. I don't watch oh, these shows. <laughs> but but you know, you see these advertisements and I and I have seen some of these shows. It is amazing to me even in movies and TV shows, whatever. This idea that you've got to be young and beautiful and rich and you got to be scoring with the ladies if you're a man, that's the only way that you're you know, you're going to be really cool. And if you're not, you're not going to get any, you know, women. But in all reality, that's all a lie. And those yeah. guys that drive the, you know, that are single and young and, you know, are telling their friends that they're getting action every weekend. Even if they are getting action every weekend, that action is so low tier. It's bottom shelf action. Even if it's with, you know, these really beautiful women. Eh? But that's such uh empty ridiculous way to say that you're happy because how good at sex can you be with one person on a one night stand right how great can your sex be if you have no idea who this person is and what really turns them on now for a man that might be great because men are less complicated but for these women that are pretending like they love it no they don't they don't and the men are empty and miserable. And this has been proven through, there's a study in the New England Journal of Medicine not too long ago that did a survey across all these demographics. And it's and it basically the conclusion was there is no happiness and there really isn't good sex outside of a committed relationship. And most of those committed relationships that were surveyed were married monogamous couples. It has been proven that the greatest sex can happen only within a relationship that is committed and safe and has time to practice and get to know each other. Yeah. And I think the other interesting thing with this fact is that, you know, if you think about your own relationship, your own marriage and how often you're having sex, you may think like we're having sex once a week. And that's just not enough. I should be having sex five times a week, right? We may have this idea of how much we should be having sex. That's what I thought marriage was going to be like. Right. But it, it's not. Right. And so, but we, when we start thinking that it should be this, you know, really, really high number, um, I think we lose out on the fact that, well, we, we're actually, for the most part, married couples are having sex with consistency. And those numbers add up. And a lot of times when we're seeing these reality shows or these single people and it looks like they're just living the life and having all the sex, it's like you're seeing like maybe, you know, a short amount of time, right? This little glimpse of stuff that's happening. But then, you know, there's nine months where maybe nothing is happening. It's yeah. like um, the consistency is hardly there. And so I think that we can often undervalue the 
the fact that when you are married and you want to work on your relationship, that that consistency also contributes to a lot of what gives us the satisfaction in our relationship. It's not fleeting. It's not fleeting. And, you know, this whole idea that Oh, the honeymoon ends and now I'm married. And so you hear jokes in movies about, oh, you know, like once you get married, it's over, right? The party's over. Yeah. That is, it's the biggest lie. And it actually makes me upset because there are so many people that even go into marriage and have this idea or they get brainwashed and they get manipulated by the media and they're told what to think. Yeah. Stop listening to the liars. Stop listening to people who don't know what they're talking about because the people that are telling you that are people that are trying to justify their empty lives. Yeah. And I'll tell you straight up, that's what's happening. People who are happily married and who are trying and, and trying to understand each other, and this is to you men out there too, if you're not trying to understand your wife and understand how to be a better lover for her and to customize your lovemaking and your intimacy even how you hold hands. Like there's a way that we've learned how to hold hands that's more comfortable than other ways. There's a way that I've learned how to look at my wife when I just want her to know that I care about her. Not like, oh, I just want to jump your bones right now. I'm giving you that look, right? Like that's that stuff's all fake. No one can tell me or you how our sex life should be. Right. And if our sex life is not that much sex, but a lot of intimacy and a lot of connection, that's better than a lot of sex and not any connection or, or, or that emotional intimacy. Yeah, so true. Right? So the, the amount that you're having sex isn't as important. But these, what we're saying is these studies say the best sex is within monogamous married couples, but it doesn't say, well, the best sex means that you're having sex once or twice or three times a week or once a month or once a year. The best sex is whatever that means for you and your spouse. And if you're saying, well, to me, the best sex is, you know, once a month, but my spouse thinks the best sex is twice a month. Well, you guys got to figure that out. That's your job as a married couple is to compromise and figure out what's best for you. We're not telling you what's best for you, but because you're married, because you have the commitment and the security in that marriage and the opportunity to grow and learn about each other, whatever that means for you, it can be the greenest grass that exists in the entire universe. And it doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. It just doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, as you were talking, all of a sudden I was thinking about the time that we tried to have a garden. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And we were like, okay, we're just going to go out and we're going to water our zucchinis by hand, right? And so we were trying to be so diligent and we'd, you know, water the zucchinis for like a week really, really well. And then we totally forgot about it. And then we'd go back and then feel bad, like, oh, you know, we missed some time. We better make it up. And Those then we, poor zucchinis. we would just like flood the soil with all the water. And the results were hilarious with these zucchinis. You could just see it's like they would be growing kind of nice and then they wouldn't look so good. And then they would get super fat, Yeah, fat, fat, fat in one section. 
and then go back to nothing, <laughs> you know? So it's like, you could see like where we were trying to like make things up for the lack of doing it consistently. And once we put in a sprinkler system that just kind of gave that drop of water, like with that, you know, predictability and it was just constant, um, how much better yeah. that zucchini was able to grow. And so, you know, this fact that married couples are having the most sex, I think is important. And as we think about how things are growing, how the relationship is growing, to really value that. Like, even if we struggle with how much we're having and the frequency of it, still knowing that that fact is on our side, I think is valuable. Um, the next fact is that sexual satisfaction is linked to marital harmony, fidelity, and permanence. So we can be having sex and be totally unsatisfied with it, or we can have sex and be satisfied with it. And so with this fact, we're learning that there is more satisfaction in the having sex when you're married and you are working on the harmony between you and your spouse, when you have fidelity as a high priority and that permanence, like, hey, we're in this together. We're working on it. Let's work through it. For all you single men out there, I'll tell you right now, any married man is going to be having way more sex than you and way better sex than you. So, you know, you might want to reconsider all the, you know, the bragging rights that you think you have. Right, <laughs> right. Well, and this next fact goes right along with it. And it just says that sex is better within the trusting, committed environment of marriage. It makes perfect sense. It's obvious how, what a lie the whole, I'm not getting married because I want to be free thing is. Right. And so the final fact that we wanted to bring up is that the couples who are the most satisfied with their sex life, they have a belief. And it's this. They believe that sex outside of marriage is wrong. And so, again, no matter what their frequency or what their experience of sex is, this belief that their sex life is devoted to one another within marriage is a contributing factor of what makes sex satisfying. And I change the wording of that a little bit because I think that the study that you're reading from right now, and we'll we'll link these studies in the description of um, in our YouTube channel. But when it says that the most satisfied are those that think it's wrong outside of marriage. I think being even more satisfied is when you understand how sacred marriage within marriage, um, sex within marriage is. Yeah. Not just that it's wrong, right? That's kind of like the negative view, but the positive view is my sex, our sexual relationship in marriage is sacred and it is ours and it is only ours and it's personal and we can customize it and we can work together to overcome the challenges we're having with it. And I can make adjustments because I want you to be happy and I want to be selfless in our lovemaking. Yeah. When you see it as sacred in marriage and you understand that's why, you know, religious views are that it's, you know, an immoral thing to have sex outside of marriage. I think that might be the wrong way to think about it, even though that's true, but it's only true because sex is so sacred within marriage. So I just wanted to kind of tweak that a little bit. 
Yeah, no, I love it. And I think, I think it's important to be able to look at that side of it is that there is this positive side of like, yes, there's something so beautiful and magical that happens when you are married. Yeah. Okay. So moving on from the facts, we wanted to just bring up that in marriage, it doesn't even matter how long you've been married. It can be difficult to discuss sex. And we've talked about this before. You know, we kind of know the reasons why. Like sometimes we just aren't raised talking about it. We're not used to it. Sometimes we're, we don't have the correct words or the vocabulary. Or the only vocabulary that we've heard is from the world. And it's a lot of times super vulgar and yeah. we're not, we don't want to use those words. A lot of times we're not taught how to communicate effectively about it. Um, or we find it embarrassing, right? I think when we really start to dive into like, let's have a conversation about how our sex life is, that can seem super vulnerable and embarrassing and risky. Even if you were taught or it was open, an open discussion in your family about sex, like the birds and the bees or, and even on like the dark perverted side, like, you know, some people are just open about it, but, but they talk about it in a way that doesn't take into consideration the sacredness of it. You are, n nobody has taught how to have a discussion with your spouse about really getting down to the nitty gritty about how much you like sex or how much I do and how we can adjust. Like that's just not something that, that you're, you start marriage with strongly, even if you've been married before, or even if you, you know, have had sexual relationships before, you know, for a guy, it's like, Hey baby, did you, did you like that? Yeah. And of course she's like, yeah, that was great. Right. Okay, but a, a different way to do that is, did you like it when I did that or this? Yeah. And back to our communicating on the scale, which we've talked about before. So when I did this on a scale of one to 10, how much did you like that? Yeah. Or is there anything that on a you know, scale of one to 10 was below a five? Any part of that lovemaking session? However you talk, but to get down to the specifics about it, because if I'm just like, hey, how was that? And I've done this plenty of times. You know, did you like that? Yeah. Okay, that's great. Now my ego is fed. <laughs> I feel, you know, yeah, like a, you know, a great lover. But in all reality, if I don't ask the right questions, you're not going to, maybe you don't want to get into that discussion right now. And you're just gonna be like, yeah, that was great. And in your mind, you're like, I don't know, that was like maybe like a four. Right. And I wish it was a six or seven. Yeah. And every once in a while, I'll have a nine or 10. Yeah. Teaching people how to communicate like that is not something that families do. You don't talk about a clitoris. And how to stimulate no. a clitoris as a, as, a, as a young man. And you certainly aren't taught about the emotional side of intimacy and the intimacy trek, which we've talked about. It's not just the physical penetration. There's like, that's only like 5% of the whole process. Right. It's so true. And I think also something to really keep in mind about why the, trying to talk about sex can be so challenging is because... For the most part, a man's approach to sex and a woman's approach to sex is going to be completely different. Our thoughts about it, our feelings about it, our you know shyness about it, our uncomfortableness about it, all of those things make us come to the table from two completely different camps. And so if we can start to really... Um, 
allow our brain to accept, hey, when we try to discuss how our sex life is, my husband is going to come at it totally different than I am. Yeah. And that's okay. It is okay that we come to the concept of sex differently. We're going to approach it differently as we're learning. Yes. And I think it's so valuable to say that's okay. Because a lot of times, because they're different, I know especially for women, we tend to think that something's wrong or that we're broken or we're abnormal because we think about it differently and we feel differently than our husbands do. But I think if we could really change our thinking about it and say, it's okay that these are different, um, we're going to start to feel like more in tune with ourself and how we're experiencing sex and our thoughts and our feelings about it and really look at that as valuable and real and authentic instead of wrong and broken. Yeah. The goal is not the wife's thoughts and feelings and desire to be the same as the husband's. And the goal is not the husband's to be the same as the wife's. The goal is to have those be understood for what they are. Understood they, is huge. They are rarely the same. And this will actually come into play even more so when it comes to the difference in libidos. And of course, this is a big, big challenge for most couples where one spouse has a higher libido and the other spouse has a low libido. So neither of those are wrong. Neither of those are the right thing. And neither is broken because they experience a higher or lower libido. The, the goal is to say, I, under, I want to understand how you're approaching sex. I want to understand why your libido is the way it is. Let's how, dive into that. How many of your husbands, those listening, or if you're, a husband, if you're a husband listening to this too, how often have you done this? Instead of just, you know, your husband getting mad because you don't want to have sex with him or frustrated or sad or hurt. I mean, I shared in a couple podcasts ago, you know, feeling rejected, yeah, feeling abandoned by you. And I think we all feel those these feelings. But if I feel those feelings, again, it's back to thought work. If I'm having thoughts about Shelly abandoning me, am I just going to let my my thoughts take me down that place where it's going to take me to a feeling of, of resentment or blame? Or am I going to say, you know what, I'm going to try to understand this a little bit more. Yeah. And go to and go to you. And look, we've been through this, you guys. We're not we don't do this podcast because we're so great and we have all this stuff to teach people. We're doing this podcast because we believe in marriage and we believe how important it is to understand each other so that you can strengthen your marriage in a way that is unstoppable. And in this world where we're the, the family is being destroyed, marriage is being destroyed because people aren't willing to do the work to strengthen their marriage. What we're trying to help you do is to ask the question, why? I wonder why her libido is lower than mine. Oh, she's a woman. I'm a man. And that's as simple as that. That's the wrong answer, too, even though that's true in a lot of cases. But that might not be it in that situation. It might be because what, what's going on? Are you OK? Right. And you might say, well, I've been really stressed about this one thing. And stress is a huge blocker for women, especially when it comes to even wanting to be intimate for men. Sex is a reliever of stress. Then I'm talking in generalities here. Yeah. But as a man, I might not understand that 
because that's not the way I work. But if I'm asking you, what's going on? How can I help? What can I do differently? Well, you know, you could help, you could help me with this, this, and this, and that'll lower my stress. And when my stress is low, I know my libido goes up. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. But if I'm just sitting there mad because she's not doing what I want her to do, I mean, what a lame way to look at your wife, first of all, just straight up tell you that is not the way that you love your spouse. Being curious about the reality that they're living in, being empathetic and wanting to understand so that you can help. That's what being selfless is. And that's what showing love in that verb way means. And when we learn how to do that, and this is not natural, and if your husband doesn't do this automatically, please don't think that he's some kind of a monster because he doesn't do this. I This has taken me 20 years to learn, and I still don't have it down. Yeah. Right? We're working on this just like you're working on it. We're all in this together. But we're here to remind you that there are ways to bring you two closer together, even though you're separated. It's not about just fixing it it's about understanding and it's about compromise and learning together and this is why when you do come back together and you are united and you are intimate and connected that sex is going to be a thousand times better than what any single person can ever even imagine right because it's connected and it is beautiful and it is something that becomes spiritual and actually is sacred. And I fully believe that when you approach things like that, even for those of you that don't really like sex right now or feel like you're being used by your husband, it is it doesn't have to stay that way. Right. It can change and it can get better. I love what you said too about um, the type of sex that you enjoy. Like when you've worked through something challenging, and I'm not talking about just like makeup sex if you've had a fight. I'm talking about no. like, hey, we didn't really understand each other on this. Like we were just at odds, you know? Yeah. And, but as you like really try to have some of those conversations maybe that you haven't had yet and you work through something, that's a dopamine hit that in today's world, we're not used to anymore. We have forgotten how satisfying that type of work what comes from that type of work? And then when you are able to celebrate, hey, we are, we're getting through this, we're learning together, and then you are able to have sex in that, in that space, that is a completely different experience. And that is where the grass is greener in yes. your own relationship. Yes. You can know the grass is always greener in your own relationship. Yeah. And when you understand that that's possible, and I'll speak from a man's point of view, right? Because we, you know, men tend to have maybe wandering eyes more or look at other people who, you know, might not be as boring as my relationship. And I want that. Well, guess what? Your greatest chance of finding that relationship that you long for is not outside of your marriage. Unless there's abuse or, you know, there's all kinds of, you know, exceptions to this. But those exceptions, I think, are rare. Yeah. This is within your own marriage and within your own self. That's why this podcast is called Restore Yourself, Restore Your Marriage. Even if you have a great marriage, and I'm, I honestly, I get so annoyed by people when I talk to them about what we do. They're like, so what do you do? And, you know, we talk about, you know, we do relationship and marriage coaching and we help people improve their marriages. And they automatically think, oh, we just help people who have bad marriages. 
Right. Oh, I don't need that because my marriage is, is great. But what they don't understand is that their definition of great may be great, and that's their reality. But if they open up their eyes and they learn how to connect even deeper, if they learn how to be more intelligent about where their wife or husband is coming from, that is wonderful for even the best marriages. I fully believe that even the best marriages can always get better. And that's the whole point of this podcast is that the grass is greener in your own marriage. But we're here to tell you that there are ways to have the kind of marriage that you used to used to dream about marriage and what it was like right before you got married. And today you long for maybe what it used to be. I'm here to tell you that your marriage can become something that you never imagined it could be. Yeah. I recently heard um, a phrase that I thought was awesome. And it said, like, um, I think it was sophisticated sex. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is such a great way to describe what we're talking about. It's not like this, you know, what you said, low tier type of sex where there's no thought, there's no work, there's no intention behind it. But as you start challenging your old ways of thinking, your old patterns, and you start to level those things up and put meaning behind it and intentionality, it changes the game. And so I just loved that phrase when I heard it, sophisticated sex. I was like, oh, yeah, that is a whole different realm of how satisfied you are with the sexual relationship. Anyone who hasn't taken your course, the intimacy effect, any woman who hasn't taken it, they're missing out on learning about that sophisticated intimacy and the, the subtitle of that program is Intimacy Beyond Sex. So I don't want to scare you away and say this is all about physical intimacy and just sex. It's not. Like the sophisticated intimacy that you're talking about is much deeper and much broader than just the physical sex. Yeah. That's part of it. But if you want to, if you want to get out of your rut... And if you want to start thinking differently about sex and, and changing yourself so your husband has a different person to respond to and will change as well, I promise you, he will. The Intimacy Effect course will take you to levels of sophistication that you never even thought about. Yeah, so true. Okay, so as we get to the end of this episode, we wanted to conclude with what we can do to help, right? We've talked about several things that are, you know, and facts that are important to keep in mind. But we wanted to end with, you know, this concept of love. And we're going to talk about three questions we can use, powerful questions to help us navigate some of this stuff. Um, And right before we give you these three questions, we want to just um, offer to you those definitions of love, right? Because they're very encompassing. And love is both um, a noun and a verb. It's both a feeling and an action. And so we can see that love is not just one thing. It's a very encompassing concept. And I love that when we're talking about marriage and intimacy, part of the concept of love is the husband's experience and the wife's experience. When we're coming to the concept of intimacy from different camps, and love embraces and encompasses both. 
and says, let's work on both of these because both can be included. It doesn't and, have to be one or the other. And you're never going to arrive and <laughs> stop. You're, it's not static. Right? Right. This is a dynamic living thing that always needs nourishment and is always changing a little bit here and there. And you got to kind of tweak things. That is why it's so amazing. Yes. And love, as it encompasses opposites, it's going to have both a time of high affection and low affection and annoyances. And it's going to have time where you admire your spouse and times where you're like, I don't know if I like this part of you. (laughs) There's going to be time where your virtues and your um, talents shine and times where it's more dim. And there's going to be times where love is full of loyalty and benevolence. And these are some of the foundational words and definitions of love is to have that caring nature for the well-being of your spouse. So with that as the basis of love, here are the three powerful questions that we can ask ourselves to try and intervene um, and help our sex life live in that greener grass. Okay, the first question is, how can I show my admiration and benevolence towards my spouse when our libidos aren't aligned yet? And I think this is a powerful question because if, let's say, the husband has the higher libido and he's one night, he's ready to go and the wife is not there yet, both the husband and the wife, we our brains can go down the rabbit hole in, in a negative way so fast and spiral out of control. But this question is the perfect question to ask when that happens, when they're not aligned yet, when the libidos are not aligned yet, is how can I show my admiration and benevolence towards my spouse during the process yeah. when they're opposite? Because that kind of shifts are thinking. And if we start thinking about how am I going to be benevolent during this process, um, we start to think about ourselves and our own development in a new way that will often lead us to looking at these admirable qualities in our spouse. And then that will naturally increase our desire to be next to them. That's why this question is awesome. The second question is, how can I show tenderness and loyalty during the process of increasing my desire, right? So sometimes I think for the women, when we want to feel our own desire for intimacy, it's a process. There's time involved. There's thought work involved. And so while we're in the process, it doesn't need to be like, I need to be there right then, right at the exact same time as my spouse, But how can I show tenderness while I'm working on it? Like, hey, love, (laughs) I see where you're at. Like, I'm not there yet, but I'm working on it. But I I want you to know I love you. And that makes all the difference when that happens. Because if that doesn't happen, then you're leaving me kind of free to make the mistake of choosing thoughts that aren't healthy. Right? It's not not your fault. Like, my thoughts are my own. I'm always responsible for my own thoughts, but let's help each other so that we're not tempted to go down those paths. And what you just talked about was 
That's something that makes all the difference in the world because then I don't feel abandoned. Yeah. Then I don't feel like you're not attracted to me. Then I don't, it's not a pity party. Right. So true. So being able to keep that tenderness high while we're working through our process is huge. Okay. And the final question is what characteristic do I want to increase within myself when our libidos aren't quite aligned? And again, it goes back to the title of this podcast, like we can restore ourselves and develop ourselves even in the midst of our libidos not being aligned yet. And that's a beautiful process. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. There's so much growth that has taken place during that time. Wonderful. So those are the three questions. We hope that you'll be able to ponder on this next week and ask yourself, because let's face it, we all face those times when our libidos are not lined up. And instead of it allowing that to create so much chaos and frustration, let's have that intervention yeah. uh, with all that tenderness and benevolence and an extra helping of love. Love it. Because remember, the more you restore this type of intimacy with yourself, the more you restore it with your spouse. Thank you so much for listening today, and we hope you will join us again next week.